I think I picked the right Bible verse. (laughs) So we're almost at the halfway point of 2011. How's your year going so far? It's going good. What's the the theme of uh, 2011 for this house in particular? Year of intimacy. Now, I want to present to you guys a secondary theme that I believe has also run its course through this year. And that's a year of transition. And I want to talk a little bit about transition today. How many of you guys are comfortable with change? And some of you are like, I love it. How many of you guys are comfortable with change? You know, just because we call it the year of intimacy or the year of transition doesn't mean that once this year ends, we don't experience it. You know, we had a year of epic faith in 2010. Epic faith didn't stop when 2011 started. There's something that happens when God highlights a theme. And I believe he's setting up foundations for us to stand on. He's drawing us to the next level. And so when we're talking about the year of intimacy, the year of intimacy is for all the years to come. 2011 is not just the only year of intimacy, but there's something about intimacy that God wants us to catch. He wants to establish in our hearts. And I believe there's something about transition, something about change that God wants to establish in our heart as well. You know, this life that we live in is temporary. And I don't know about you guys, but for me, I I find myself forgetting that. You know, I, I find myself forgetting just how temporary the things are all around me, the things that I live in. But it is temporary. Transition um, in the Bible, it's defined as the process or the period of changing from one state or condition to another. I guess in another word, you can just say that transition is undergoing a process. I'm in a process. Are you guys in a process? Sometimes I hear, um, I, I do discipleship with my Emmaus staff and uh, holler. And um, I talk to them and sometimes, you know, the topic comes up where, you know, they call me moms. Mom. I thought that I made it. For some reason, I thought that I was there. And now I feel like I'm going all the way back to the beginning. You guys ever feel like that? I want to talk a little bit about that. We're all in the process. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 to 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 to 18. And the word of God says, now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. We are on a journey. We are on a process, and the place, our destination, is to become as the image of Christ. So for us to tell ourselves that this process is going to end in the end of 2011, we're joking ourselves. When we're talking about living life on earth, I, need to, I want you guys to embrace one word, and that's temporary. Temporary. This is a word that's going to bring breakthrough, you guys, if you catch this. Temporary. Now, if we're in constant transit, if we're going from one degree of glory to another, just as we read... In 2 Corinthians, that means we're always on the move. We're always 
on the move. And when I think about that, I feel like there's a lot of things that come up when we're always on the move. And I think one of the best examples of how to do it right is the life of Abraham. As we read just the passage of Genesis chapter 1 to 9, um, the beginning of Abraham's call, he was how old? 75 years old, God calls him. You know, Abraham's background is idol worshipers, and um, his father was an idol worshiper. He comes from a land called uh, Ur. I don't even know how you say it, but Ur. And, and there, and even Haran, where he moved to later on with his father, was a land that was known for its, uh, the worship of moons. Moon worship. Okay? That's Abraham's family background. But Abraham himself encountered God. So much to the fact that when God said, go to a place where I will show you. Talk about that crazy phrase in a second. Abraham quickly, he got up and he left. Now Abraham is, he understood the word temporary. In the Bible, he, he recognizes himself as a sojourner. And I don't even know how to say that. So, sojourner. Anyway, listen, all right. The whole purpose of what that means is a temporary resident. That's what that word means, a temporary resident. And when he referred to himself, that's how he called himself. I'm a temporary resident. He understood that every place that he went was temporary. Now, you're going to see just why this, how crazy this is. Now, some people think Abraham did that because of his occupation, um, him shepherding or donkey trading or, you know, all that stuff. Naturally, his occupation would have him lead to different lands so his animals and herds and whatever can eat. But I really believe that the reason why Abraham identified himself as a temporary resident was actually very divine. And it's a picture and an idea that we have to cling on to as well. A temporary resident. Now God calls him to a land which he will show him. Isn't that weird? He said, go to a land I will show you. How are you supposed to go to a land you don't know where you're going to go to because it wasn't shown yet? But you know, when I read that verse, I I understand it completely because I feel like that's my, my life. That I'm walking to a land that God is continuously showing me. That if I were to tell you, hey, where's my final destination? I really couldn't say in terms of this life. I'm, I'm still just going where God is showing me. But Abraham understood this concept and he went. And he may not have necessarily knew where he was headed, but he knew that whatever step God was going to point him to, he was going to take. He understood the word temporary. Now, when you read um, chapter 3, excuse me, chapter 12 in Genesis, you'll notice that Abraham never built a house. His whole life, never once did he build a house. But it says in Genesis chapter 12 that he pitched tents. And he didn't just stay in the land of Canaan. He actually journeyed from Canaan to this place, to that place, to Egypt for a little bit, to here and there. And in all the locations he went to, he never once built a house. But he always pitched tents. Now, what's the difference between pitching a tent and building a house? When you think about tents, I don't know if you guys ever went camping before. 
But tense, the, the purpose of why you don't, I don't know how you would move a house to. Anyway, the reason why you have a tent is because it's mobile. A tent is just temporary housing. That's what a tent is. No one lives in, in, in a tent expecting to live there forever. The tent is the epitome of temporary. It's easily, you can easily pack it up and go and journey to the next place. Abraham had this idea of, I'm not going to stay here forever. I'm going to, I know that I'm going to be moving. And so he constantly pitched tents. Now, the thing that's hard about pitching tents is it's uncomfortable. Have you guys been camping before where you slept in a tent? Dude, man. It's so much fun. But you know what's fun about it? Knowing that it's, it's not going to be forever. <laughs> that's what's fun about pitching tents. It's like, hmm, seven more days, you know? And I'm out of here, and I'm going to go to a real shower. It's just, it's uncomfortable. There's something about pitching tents that just, it invites change. And something about change that makes us uncomfortable. Now, here we have a tent that's mobile, but in, in contrast, you have a house that you built. And when you build a house, it's more permanent, isn't it? When you build a house, you know, you take your time, you pick the good house. And, and over the years, you just see yourself investing in this house. And you paint the walls, and you do one room, and then you do the next room. And houses are not easily moved. Houses are pretty much, you stay where the house is at. I'm not saying that we're supposed to pitch tents, you know, just hear the heart of my message. But what I am saying is there's something about just building a house in the spirit that causes stagnancy. It doesn't leave room for change. And just as we read in 2 Corinthians, we're desperate for change. We're taking from one degree of glory to another. Now, we usually use the phrase glory to glory. And we always focus on the glory, the word glory. Glory to glory. But I want to focus on the word two. Because between glory to glory is always the two. You can't go from glory to glory without the transition. Most of our lives, you guys, we're going to be in transition. And we're going to have the temptation to build a house. We're going to have a temptation to build a house, one on the way to glory. You ever do that? You ever, you ever know what God's promising you something? And you know you're heading in that direction. But you just feel so uncomfortable because you're in transition that you just... Some of us, we just rather build a house. Right there, on the way to glory. We hit through a valley of discouragement. And we'd rather build a house in discouragement, put up some pictures on the walls and call it home. Because we're so uncomfortable with change. God wants us to be a people that pitches tents when it comes to things of this world. I live in a beautiful apartment, a beautiful apartment. Listen, when I, every time I walk in my apartment, I'm constantly reminded of God's goodness. Like if you guys ever visited, it's apartment of just, it's just favor. It's favor. It's definitely what Christian and I, we don't, we haven't earned or deserved, but we got because God loves us. The thing about that apartment is it's temporary. You know, if you look at my walls in my apartment, it's like totally naked. And I always like tell people, oh, I want to do interior decoration and put up wallpaper. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, what's the point? It's temporary. (laughs) You know, I mean, again, don't get me wrong. It's good to decorate your home, you know, even if it's temporary. Okay. (laughs) However, 
However, there's that part of me that knows that it's not going to be forever. And when I understand that, there's something that, that's amazing that happens. One, I'm able to enjoy it more than I could ever enjoy it. There's something about understanding that things are temporary. One, that gives you endurance. And two, that has you maximize where you're at right now. For example, if I'm on missions and we're gutting it out, you know, and we're in the middle of who knows, in the jungle, there's a part of me that's telling myself it's temporary. But that word temporary gives me a spirit of endurance that I'm going to push through. It's not, it's not forever. It's okay. Even if I haven't taken a shower for three, three days, you know, and the only thing I clean myself is a wet nap, it's all good. Temporary. There's that spirit of endurance that comes. But at the same time, when I go to a hotel, like I went to Banyan Tree the other time, yeah, it was crazy. When I went to Banyan Tree, I used up every single facility. I used every soap. I used every shampoo. I, I made sure I took a bath. I made sure I took a shower. I used up the whole hotel because I knew it was temporary. I said to myself, I don't have a year to enjoy this hotel. I got two days. I'm going to do everything I can do. I went to the gym. I don't go to the gym. But I don't care. I went to the gym at Banyan Tree. Why? Because it was temporary. And I knew I wasn't going to have access forever at that gym. But there's something that happens when we know that things are temporary. Listen, if you're in a season that's good or bad, it's temporary. And when you understand that you're in a season and it's tough right now, you can encourage yourself in the Lord. God, I'm going to push through. I'm not building a house here. It's all good. I'm just going to pitch a tent. But also when you're in a season that's amazing, rather than being caught by surprise when things change, you maximize that season. Just like that Banyan Tree Hotel where you just use up everything you got access to that you didn't have access to all the time. And you say to yourself, man, this is so good, but this is temporary. So I'm going to take advantage of it. I'm going to do everything that I can. This season of rest, well, I'm going to rest. I'm going to rest then. If this is the Sabbath season, we're going to end to take advantage. It's temporary. We're called to pitch tents. And I love that Abraham understood that. Now, what's crazy about Abraham was that we even read in this passage, God promised him the land. He promised him the land, yet Abraham still didn't build a house there. He said, Abraham, look all the way here to all the way over there. That's the land I'm going to give you. But rather, if that was me and God promised me that land, yo, I'd build myself a nice big mansion, you know, with lots of rooms and, and all this place for my animals. If, if God promised me a land, I would have built a house there easily. Why did Abraham pitch a tent? In the, on the land that God promised him. Why did he pitch a tent? And, and I was reading that and I was a little bit confused. And, and man, God just began to speak to my heart. And he began to say, don't even build your house on my promise. Don't even build your house on my promise. But rather than pitching a tent, Abraham did one thing consistently. Everywhere he went, he built an altar. He pitched tents, but he built an altar. And those tents got packed up, and he went to the next town, but the altars remained. The altars remained. And so here's Abraham, and he he refuses to build a house, his house, 
But there was a house he constantly built everywhere he went. It was an altar. It was a house of worship unto God. He said, my home is not on this land per se, but my home is in you. We're called to put our focus to marry, not the promise, but to marry the promise giver. And sometimes we get so stuck feeling like we're engaged to the promise that we're constantly in pursuit of the promise and that we're unable to rest until we get the promise. But when you're betrothed to the promise giver, even if you're in the midst of your journey, you can be in complete rest all the way through. That when we're going from glory to glory, even in the word to, you're in full rest. You know, when you travel, if I travel tomorrow, I'm going to be flying out to the States and I'm going to be doing absolutely nothing on a plane. And then I'm finally going to arrive in San Francisco. Most people don't consider that a restful time because it's transit. Because you're mo- in fact, when I get off the plane, I'm probably going to hear, oh man, you're, you must be exhausted. I don't really do anything though. I'm just sitting on the plane, but there's something about going from one place to another that we consider exhausting. And when we're in a time of transition, we have the temptation to believe that we're exhausted. I'm tired, God. When am I going to... Are we there yet? Mm Mm-hmm. That was me. Are we there yet? And we constantly do that. God, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And God is saying, chill out. Even in the process, you can have full rest. You have access to full rest as long as we build an altar. You know, when you move into a place, you want to unpack everything. You know what I'm talking about, right? You want to like settle in and we're all about settling. We're all about, people love to settle. There's there's something in the human nature where we want to settle down, but I feel like what God is saying is don't settle. Don't settle not even for my promise don't settle because after that promise i got a better promise after that glory i have a better glory after that i have a new level for you so never settle never settle because there's more it's that content for the kingdom that core value that we hold in this house it's a it's the ability to have a deep dissatisfaction But there's a difference between just having a deep dissatisfaction and staying there and having a deep dissatisfaction and always building an altar. Don't build a house for you, but build a house for him. Build a house for him. It's so cool that Abraham built altars because when he traveled... And sometimes his sons or his uh, descendants would come back to a place where he built an altar. They would see that. And they would look at the altar that their father set up and, and they'd be able to connect with the lesson that was learned there. There's something powerful about building an altar. What happens when you build an altar is, you, is thanksgiving. Every time Abraham put those stones on top of stones, I believe he was giving thanks to God. God, I give thanks to you. Thank you for taking me from A to B. And I know I'm about to go to B to C, but I I just want to give thanks to you right here. And he builds an altar. God, thank you for teaching me about patience. 
And he builds an altar. He begins to take the lessons and the breakthrough that God showed him through that season. And he builds an altar for it. That's what we got to do. We got to build altars. We're going from glory to glory, but we can't forget. We always, you know, it's so tempting to forget, isn't it? It's so tempting to forget, but there is power in remembrance. There's power in the remembrance. And I feel like the building the altar that Abraham is, has done all throughout his life while pitching tents was all about remembering. He had us pitch tents and build an altar. Don't settle on glory. Amen. Don't even settle on a promise. Don't settle on the way to the promise, but settle in on him. Settle in on his presence. Settle in on his goodness. Settle in on your relationship with God. Build a house of worship. You know, that's why I love K1. If you guys haven't gotten a chance to check out Kingdom First, you need to. Really for your own benefit. There's something that happens in the prayer tab that just cultivates this ability to build altars. I feel like I'm the Wednesday morning um, slot. And literally every Wednesday morning, I believe we're building up an altar. We just build an altar that morning. And then as we build up that altar on Wednesday morning, we're able to worship God and just set up a a house of, of just praise to him. I'm able to do that throughout the day. There's something that gets cultivated. I can't explain, but really I would... I highly recommend you guys go. If you're available, check it out. Because something special is going on at the prayer tabernacle. And I believe what it is, is it's God teaching us how to build altars. How to build altars for him. You know, Pastor Benjamin um, at Living Hope, he's going through a time of transition. Not only is he, but the whole church is going through a time of transition. And he sent Christian and myself this really long Facebook message. And in the middle of this long Facebook message, there were just a couple of sentences. But I read those sentences, and and I was completely floored. If you guys have a small group leader or a spiritual leader in your life, do they ever do that? They just say something just in passing, and you're like, What? And you catch it, and it's life-changing. Does that ever happen to you guys? In the middle of this long passage, he writes this. What I find is that we must begin to think like Abraham. He never built a house. He pitched tents and built altars. Every place God takes us to, we want to build a house. But God just wants us to build an altar and to pour oil all over it. God is leading us to the place that he'll show us, but we tend to settle for less than what he has planned for us. Don't settle for less. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, don't settle for less. Don't settle for less. <laughs> so how do we find rest in the between? How do we find rest in the between? Even if we're on a journey and we know we're headed to the promise, how do we find rest while we're getting there? Build an altar. Build an altar. That's how you find rest. Simple as that. Remembering, positioning yourself always for change. 
If we understood just how temporary things are, I think the way that we perceive the changes in our life, it would be a lot better. We'd be a lot more ready for change. But what happens is we tend to settle down and we tend to build houses. And when God calls us to go over there, all of a sudden it's a big, big move because we settled. But we can find rest. You have access to full rest in him. Even if you're on that journey where God is still showing you, where that word, go to the land that I will show you, like that's you. And you're like, yeah, I'm not sure where I'm headed. And you think that if you know where you're going, you're going to have rest. Or you think that once you get there, you're going to have rest. Or you think that once you get to at least this part of the journey, you're going to have rest. I'm telling you, those are all lies. It's not true. Every step that you take, we can walk in full rest. In full rest. Listen, this is my, wrap your head around this. I don't want you guys to miss this because when we go through transitions, people get tired. And people get frustrated. And there's a temptation to get impatient. Because we always want to get there faster. And when that all those emotions begin to get stirred up, we begin to disconnect ourselves from the rest we have access to. And then we begin to experience fear and anxiety. Sleepless nights. Worry begins to consume us. I'm telling you, you don't even need to go through that. You don't even need to go through that. Even as you journey, you can be in complete connection and rest with the Father. You know, sometimes I meet ministers that come off planes and they're, you know, like when I come off a plane, I'm like, you know, my hair is like all crazy and I'm like so tired and my arms are used to being like this or, or my eyes are really blurry because I always watch like mad movies on airplanes. But sometimes you'll meet people that come off the planes and they're, they're more energized. And you're like, What? How does that even happen? Like, how can you get rest on a plane? What I'm trying to tell you is you can have rest on the plane. It's open your heart to that because I think there's something that we consider to be true and it's impossible to be in rest when we're not settled. And I'm telling you that that's not true. As long as you settle in God's presence, it's easy. It's easy. Full access. I want you guys to just close your eyes for a second. I feel like for some of us, God is telling you to go. There there are things that he's calling you to. And he's saying, go. And you know that in order to go, you're going to have to leave some stuff behind. And you know in order to go, you're going to have to kind of unpack, I mean, pack up all the things that you put up in a house. But I want you to hear the words that God speaks after he says, go. And I will make you a great nation. 
And I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. After that word go, there's a promise of blessing. There's a part of us that's so resistant to change. There's a part of us that that wants so eagerly to settle on something that is just temporary. But I feel like God just wants to speak a word of comfort to, to those he's challenging. And that's go. But I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you so much that you can't help but to be a blessing. And so just stay with me, you guys. I know, just keep your eyes closed, but stay with me. And I feel like there are other people in this room that have been struggling with rest. It's been hard for you to get proper rest. This may actually manifest in the form of physically sleeping, being unable to sleep well. Or two, manifest in in concerns or worries. Or just anxiety. You feel anxious. And I just feel like God wants to release rest in this place as well. He just wants to just release rest. Just by the simple truth that you don't need to get there in order to enjoy rest right now. Even right where you are at, you have access to settle into God's presence. I guess I want you guys to just receive that. And then there are some of you that have been equating resting in God, really resting in his promises. Where rather than building a house on him, you've been building a house on his promise. And I know that sounds good in a nutshell, but what it does is it just sets you up for one victory and one victory alone. Where God has a lifetime of victories for you. And I feel like there's a shifting that God wants to do right now. Just even in your heart, if you feel like this is you, just receive these words. And begin to remember that you're not engaged to the promise, but you're engaged to the promise giver.